Hey, we're in a series um, of messages, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, we uh, have been led by Pastor Jim in looking at Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And you know, that whole hungry, thirsty imagery and picture is so powerful. Um, and I think we really understand that here in the desert, do we not? The, the thirstiness especially. Um, anybody here, a hiker? Anybody go on hikes every once in a while? Yeah, so if you hike or walk out in the desert, you know that it's important to have enough What? Water, right? See, it's just normal. We know these things. Um, but it's really interesting because when I lived up north, um, I was like, yeah, sure, you bring a little water with you when you go on a hike. I don't know why I wasn't as thirsty or thought I needed as much water, but I kept hearing stories when I got here of hikers getting lost and the big problem sometimes was they just didn't have enough water or they were out hiking somewhere. And, and, and I just thought, huh, well, that seems like a pretty simple thing to do, just, you know, bring enough water, bring more water than you need just to sort of, you know, reduce the risk. I'm a little bit of a freak about this, actually. If you ask Benny, when we go hiking, he amazes me because I'm like, are you sure that's enough water? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's good. And I'm always afraid for him. I actually, here, I'll let the secret out. Uh, I, I bring along an extra bottle because I just know one of these days he's going to run out and I'll be there to save him. Um, yeah, we, we have friends. Not going to happen, no. You wait. You'll be too stubborn to ask for it, yeah. <laughs> so when we have friends come down from Minnesota, even in this winter time, right, and they want to go on a hike, and Heidi and I are like, well, we're working, so here's some great trails you can go check out. I feel like the badgering, pestering father telling them, make sure you bring enough water, right? We have no less than, no less than eight of the camelback-type water backpack bladder things, because we just want to make sure that, you know, we got friends. Let's say all of us go hiking. Everybody's going to be good. Bring plenty of water. Um, in fact, I, I'm, I'm a, I know I'm a little overkill because I know water's heavy and you're supposed to reduce the weight you carry when you're backpack, all that stuff. But um, I just, I always have this thing. So um, about a year ago, Heidi and I were hiking out in the superstitions and we were a couple and a half, three miles out from the trail and we were just going to rest a while and come back. It wasn't going to be a big giant hike or anything, and um, it was probably about noon, so it was starting to get hot even for that time of year, and this dude comes walking around a corner off of a different trail, and he's, he's got on, you know, he's European, I find out, which so makes more sense, right? He's got on kind of these short shorts and no shirt, and he's wearing a fanny pack with two little water thingies in it, and he's out. He's out of water. He looks kind of hot and red, and we're like, hey, how you doing? And he sits down for, to rest a little bit. He goes, do you, do you know which way the trailhead is? And he was heading the wrong way. We're like, oh, no, no, you go down this trail. It's, you know, a couple miles or so, and you'll be there. And, and he was out of water, and so we offered him. But, you know, maybe Minnesota Nice comes from Europe somehow because he's like, oh, no, no, I couldn't take your water. We're like, no, really, we, <laughs> we have extra. And he, he did. He gulped down a couple waters. He ate some oranges. And so we asked him, how long have you been out here? Well, and it was about noon by now. Well, I think I got out about 6 in the morning. And I, I must have got on the wrong trail because I was just going to hike for a few hours. Um, I'd never been to Arizona. This is my first day in Arizona, right? And within five minutes of the hike... He saw a rattlesnake in a tree, right? So this is how he started his hike. And he tried going around it. That's how he got on the wrong trail. So I'm kind of a freak about, you know, have enough water with you on this stuff. And I've learned my lesson to carry plenty of water. It's, it's part of the hiking fun. Um, and Benny, yes, I'll still carry extra water just for you, even though you're too stubborn. He'll be laying on the ground before he lets me pour it down his, force it down his 
Yeah, that's how Benny is. But I love him. Um, but water in Arizona, right? It's just crucial. We know how crucial it is. We connect with this metaphor of thirsting, especially hungering and thirsting, because we know, especially with water, you can't survive without it. And so I want to talk about the thirst and the hunger of our hearts this week, um, because our hearts know something, even if we don't cognitively know it, our hearts know that we each hunger and thirst for other things to fill, to nurture, to heal our hearts. And so we've been in this series that we've been calling the Upside Down Message of Jesus, where we're working our way through what is often called the Beatitudes. It's out of Matthew chapter 5. It's this powerful teaching of Jesus. And we are unpacking each one of these uh, nine statements where Jesus describes in these something very specific. Oftentimes we read through it and it just sounds sort of poetic and maybe like philosophical wisdom. But Jesus, through the rest of scripture, unpacks much of these sayings and teachings and principles. And so we are spending time on each one. Um, and actually, some of them have turned into a little bit of a mini-series within the series. So there's like four weeks on meekness. Who would have guessed that? Not me. Um, uh, Jim did a couple weeks on uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness the last couple weeks, and he did a great job. Uh, but I've been stirring on this one for a while, um, and this is the fourth of the nine Beatitudes. So what I want to do is uh, start by having us all read out loud together the first four Beatitudes. Uh, will be up on the screen here. Here we go. Let's read them out loud together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Now, Jim said some wonder, great and wonderful things, but one thing that really stuck with me that I want to repeat is um, how we really sometimes think people take a one or other approach with this. Well, this has to do with just our personal walk with God, um, to look at it that way. Others say, well, no, no, this is this the church altogether. What does it look like for this to be lived out within the church? And Jim rightly and wisely pointed out, it's actually both. It's not a one or the other deal. I don't have time to hit both this week, so I'm going to stick to the the personal walk part of this, our own um, hunger and thirst. I'm going to start with that, and we'll see where this goes in the next couple of weeks, um, because I think it's so crucial for us to understand this reality, this truth, that we hunger, that we thirst, because it's crucial for us to be in touch with this reality that each and every one of us has a hungry heart. And of course, you know, writing this message, what's the song that starts popping into my head? Anybody? Bruce Springsteen, anyone? Is this just me? Is this just my age group, right? Like everybody has a hungry heart, right? Now it's going to be stuck in your head too. The bummer with that song though is that um, it's a catchy song, but the, the, the lyrics uh, of everybody's got, it's just called hungry heart, but everybody's got a hungry heart is the line he sings over and over again. But what's depressing is you read the lyrics and the verses and, and kind of his explanation for why the character in the song leaves his wife and kid and later tears apart another relationship is because, quote, everybody has a hungry heart. Um, now, knowing that 
Springsteen's a brilliant artist, I have a hunch that he might have been just sort of subtly reminding people that excusing destructive choices because of hungry hearts doesn't really work out in the end. Um, But that's just my guess. That's nothing he's ever said. But the truth is, um, we each do have hungry hearts. We have thirsty souls. And it's that way because God designed us that way. Our creator, God, knows because he designed us that the only thing that will truly satisfy our hungry and thirsty hearts is him. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled, he knows what he's talking about. And of course, that verse even just begs the question, um, uh, righteousness, right? Um, what's the righteousness then that will fill us? And we could talk a long time on what the Bible teaches about righteousness, and I hope to get into that uh, sometime in the future. But my best summary for what this righteousness that fills us is, is that it's the only thing that can fill our, our hungry hearts, our thirsty souls, is our relationship with God. That is what will fill us. That's the only thing that will fill us. And too often we make the mistake that well, what we think might fill us when it comes even to kind of the spiritual side of this is that, that um, religious duty, well, that might fill us, but that's not what I'm talking about. It won't fill us. What will fill us is an active, living, breathing, everyday dependence upon God, a relationship with him. That and only that will fill us. The Old Testament, the the prophet Isaiah, he speaks out this invitation of God to us in chapter 55 when God says to his people and to us, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. God invites us. Come, come you who are hungry, you who are thirsty. He invites us to come to him because the hole in our soul can only be filled with God. The thirst in our hearts can only be quenched with Jesus, who is the water of life. So are you hungry this morning? Are you you thirsty? Jesus offers to be our source, our very life, to fill us. But let's be honest. We hear this, and most of us even know this to be true, but when we look at our life and go, well, is that what I'm looking to to fill me? Is that what's meeting my hunger? Is that what's actually meeting the thirst in my soul? Is it all God? Um, If you were to get honest with just um, you and God and maybe somebody you trust, I think oftentimes we'd have to say, you know, like the people in the Old Testament where God spoke through Jeremiah in chapter two, um, I think we look to other sources to fill us. Like, I want to want God. I want to need God. I want to draw on him and depend on him, but I find myself so quickly turning to other sources, other things. And in Jeremiah 2, um, which I'm about to read, God is brokenhearted over the state of his people because they have been looking to other things, other sources. They've turned away from him. And, and here were the words of the Lord through Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God says, for my people have done two sinful things. They have turned away from me, 
the well of living waters. And they have cut out of the rock wells for water for themselves. But they are broken wells that cannot hold water. See, the people of God were looking to other sources to try and fill themselves. And it's easy to look at them and go, ah, those idiots, right? Um, Until we get real honest that we all do this, right? No matter how much we love God and how long we've served God or walked with God, we all do this. We all have a pull in what scripture calls our flesh to scramble, to scrap, to find something else to fill our empty souls on our own, apart from God, to dig our own wells. And when we don't take our hunger and thirst to God, where do we take it? I mean, think about this. I'm not going to have us pass the mic around, lucky you. Um, (laughs) But just think about this. Uh, Really, I want us to enter into this this week, um, today and this week on your own. But look to where you take your hunger and thirst to, uh, personally. Um, I've got a long list, but oftentimes I go to busyness, to performance, to people-pleasing, to overeating. Um, How about you? What's the well that you go to? Is um, Is it relationships? Is it getting the attention of men or getting the attention of women? Is it work? Is it religious performance? Is it lust? Is your well too much to drink? What is it? And, and just be aware as you're looking for these things and being aware of them this week, think about this. When we are under stress, we are angry or tired or lonely, those are the times when we are most vulnerable and we will start looking for stuff to, to meet our need to fill that hole. Just look at what you go to for relief. Look at how you cope, which is, you know, not always super fun, but welcome to my week. You know, I'm writing this message the last couple of weeks and this has been part of my journey as well that I'm inviting you in on. Um, Again, I have a long list of unhealthy strategies that I'm aware of, and one of my unhealthy coping strategies when I'm in the middle of pressure or difficulty is eating too much. Surprise, right? Um, now, I, I have you know, high metabolism, or no, I have bad metabolism and thyroid issues and all that other stuff, so it doesn't help. But uh, this year, um, when the year began, I decided you know, I need to lose some weight, um, like my doctor's been telling me for a while. Uh, I need to get a little healthier. Um, so. This is before COVID ever hit, right? I went on this simple, healthy diet. I lost 22 pounds the healthy way. But, you all know there's a but in this, right? There's always a big but in the diet stories. Here it comes right here. Um, With the stress, with the uncertainty of this season, kind of at home most nights, um, I quickly, I was going to say gradually, I quickly went back to my old habits, um, my old comforts. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, comfort foods, anyone? have You know what your comfort food is, right? Uh, anybody here? Chocolate is your comfort food? Yay. We love chocolate. Somebody tried to talk us into doing chocolate for communion. I thought, well, not a bad idea, but we're not going to try that. Um, uh, somebody in my house loves the dark chocolate-covered blueberry pomegranate thingies you get at Costco. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, somebody in my house. I mean, we're empty nesters, so I've just gave up Heidi. But um, anybody remember mine? I've confessed before. Sar- salt, dark chocolate, salted sea, salt caramel, whatever. Yeah, yeah, those things that, oh, man. Yeah, that's my, that's my poison. Um, uh, who else? What's your comfort food? Go ahead in the room. Cheetos. Ice cream, French fries, mac and cheese. Man, I'm getting hungry right 
Wow. Cheetos, what'd you say? Another Cheetos? We got two Cheetos. Cheetos on the both sides of the room. We crunchy or puffs or crunchy Cheetos? You the puffs or you the crunchy Cheetos? Crunchy, okay, there we go. Now we'll know what to bring for snacks. Yeah, it's good. Um, Yeah, I got a long list of them, right? And so it was comfort food, you know, that I just went right back to and I gained half of the weight back. Uh, and then I said, okay, I got to slow down a little bit. And, and listen, I'm going to go back to eating healthy some, sometime, <laughs> sometime soon. Um, there's always a good excuse to wait a little longer. My sweet wife is like, you know, things are really stressful right now. It's probably not a great time to go on a date. But, you know, it's been that way for like, or go on a diet, a date or a diet. Yeah, a diet. <laughs> she heard that online. Uh-oh. She's very sweet and kind to me. She's like, oh, no, I think it's probably not a great time to be quitting stuff, you know. But it's been six months of a pandemic, so I'm trying to knock it off. You know, there's always a good excuse to wait a little longer, right? There's Mother's Day, there's Father's Day, there's Flag Day. I don't, you know. Um, Monday. Monday. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's that excuse, too, you know, when you see a great sale, like, we've got a fridge full of ice cream, and we got it on such a great sale that if we hadn't bought it, we would have been losing money on the deal. So, you know, we got to, so we got to finish that off. Um, a month ago, I almost went back to eating right. And then I heard about this amazing donut shop. <laughs> you guys heard of Duck Donuts over here where they make them? They, yeah, they make them custom, make them for Oh, my goodness. So I thought, well, I've got to try that. So, you know, I'll... I'll do the donuts today, and then tomorrow I'll start eating right. <clears throat> um, so I, I, you know, drive into the donut shop, because I was going to start that day, and, you know, I ran across this article. I had to try it, right? And some of you have heard the real version of this story. But um, I started thinking as I was driving to the donut shop, I know this is a bad idea. I, I need to stop making excuses. I need to eat better. I might, I might maybe have actually prayed about it, you know, God, if it's okay with you for me to put off my diet for another day, just will you give me a sign? Um, And I knew that was a little goofy, so I thought, well, I'm going to be more specific. Okay, God, if it be your will that I eat these donuts and give in to temptation, then let there be a parking spot right in front of the donut shop, right? And wouldn't you know that the fifth time around the block, (laughs) there it was. All right, that might have been an old preacher story that I've maybe told a version of before, and it didn't exactly happen that way. But, um. but here's the deal. This is what it makes me think about, is that we human beings are very, very good at rationalizing or justifying our choices, right? Is this just me? Okay, there's a few of us. Um, we might even try to play the God card. Oh, God, you better intervene here if you want me to stop, like... Try to play that God card um, as an excuse to get around the choice that we're about to make that's unhealthy. And no matter what it is, friends, no matter what it is that we use to medicate our pain, to, dis- to distract ourselves, to try and numb ourselves, to escape from our feelings of helplessness or worthlessness or frustration or boredom or depression, whatever it is that we try to use doesn't actually work, does it? It doesn't actually work. I mean, honestly, okay, fine. In the moment that we give in to whatever it is, whatever it is that pulls on us, in the moment, uh, there is relief, okay? Let's be honest. There's relief 
There's pleasure, sometimes there's an escape even for a moment, but what we know (laughs) the longer we live is that it actually doesn't work in the long run because it can't work because it's the wrong fuel for our souls. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled means we go to God because God's in the filling business. In fact, the word fill there means to be satisfied as in the sense of being stuffed after a sumptuous meal. I like that word. I have not used that word in a while. A sumptuous meal. That's the kind of filling God promises to us, that Jesus promises to to us in this beatitude. And it just gets me thinking, if we are eating the junk food of a self-centered life, so now I'm not really talking about Cheetos, I'm talking about all the other junk foods that we turn to emotionally, we eat all that stuff, if we live a self-centered life, then we will never be satisfied, never. Hunger and thirst represent this Longing, this desire that God actually put within us to turn us to him. So it's an important part of who we are. And too often we go to the wrong wells. We try to fill ourselves, but these are broken wells. It doesn't take long for us to understand that these are broken wells that can't give us actual water. It's, it's the wrong fuel. I remember a story that an a, a Iowa farmer friend of mine told me. Um, that he had a, a cousin, I think it was, that came from you know the city to visit, and and their farm was about a half hour from the nearest small town. And after a day or two, the big city cousin was kind of like, "Hey, can I borrow your truck and just you know, whoops, drive into town?" And um, and said, "Sure, sure, yeah, go go right ahead." And so uh, cousin borrows the truck, drives into town. Well, we're Minnesota nice, even when we're in Wisconsin, even though there's a rivalry, right? But um, we're Minnesota nice still, and and. He thought, well, the cousin thought, well, I'd better put some gas in the truck because, you know, I've been using the truck and that's just the right thing to do. So he, he put um, gas in the truck, uh, except it was a diesel truck and he put regular fuel. If you aren't familiar with this, it's not, it does, that doesn't work, right? Uh, and it messes up the engine and it costs somewhere in the seven $800 range to fix and it could have been worse but here's the problem, it's, it was the wrong fuel, right? The engine was not designed for that fuel, it's the wrong fuel. And when you and I try to meet our legitimate God-given needs, the way that our world tells us will fill us, the world says, here's how you fill that longing, you need to make more money, you need to have more sex or better sex, you need more power, you need to win, you need to be right, you need to have better, higher status, That's how you fill the hole, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it can't. It is the wrong fuel, and it can really mess up the engine, can it? So what do we do when we realize that we've been turning to the wrong well to try and quench our thirst? Well, a good start is to do what the Bible calls to confess and repent. Um, and confess, it's very simple, sounds churchy, but confess simply means that we admit it. We admit what we've been doing. We say it out loud to God, and we actually say it out loud to someone else because the Bible says confess your sins to one another because it helps to say it to someone that's a mature brother or sister in Christ who's gonna walk with you, not shame you, not scold you, 
but love you, pray for you. So we confess, we realize I'm doing this thing, I confess and then I repent. And repent simply means that we turn and go the other direction. It's just a change in direction. I've been going this way, okay, now I go that way. I go the other direction, I walk away from that thing that I keep going to. And it sounds simple, and that part of it is, but here's the thing, be prepared to do that over and over and over again, because it's usually not a one-shot deal where I confess and I repent and I'm free and it never happens again. See, the problem is, even after I do this important thing, and I'm saying do it over and over and over, don't give up on confession and repentance, it keeps our hearts um, free to connect with God, confess and repent. But the problem is, friends, and you know this, after I confess and repent, after you confess and repent, we find ourselves doing the same thing again, right? It's like we're driving around the metaphorical block of the donut shop looking for that parking spot again and again, except it ain't donuts. It's something far more damaging. You have your struggles, I have mine and it can be very discouraging and frustrating when you have something that you struggle with over and over and over again. By the way, here's some good news. If you struggle over and over and over and again, um, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul wrote about his own struggles this way. In Romans chapter 7, here's a part of the passage this is the Apostle Paul saying about sinning and struggling and blowing it over and over. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil, I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Sounds like Dr. Seuss here, doesn't it? He says, what a wretched man I am. So just pause for a second. This is the Apostle Paul. He struggled. We struggle. It's a part of the human condition. So don't let shame beat you up and cause you to feel hopeless. Don't let that happen. Because he goes on to say here, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Whew, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? So when we struggle over and over and over, Welcome to the club. Welcome to being human. Welcome to being a fellow struggler. Welcome to being a follower of Jesus. It's a part of the journey and it happens. Um, but I have to tell you, even when I felt encouraged by that, I had to think a little more and I thought, you know, I've got to tell you what, even though I know that Jesus will deliver, and if you're like me, we still get frustrated with that ongoing struggle. Okay, I'm so glad but I really get frustrated with that ongoing struggle. And many times, after we've failed or blown it again and again, or we've done something really to blow it and really hurt other people, sometimes what we think we need to do, um, we know that that thing's not quenching our thirst, we know that thing's not actually working, and so we think, well, our hearts are, are evil, our, our desires, those are wicked, and so what we gotta do, if our heart's the problem, then we believe this lie that we need to kill our hearts, that we need to stuff it down, that we need to shut it off, thinking that maybe that, shutting all that off, will just keep me from turning to the wrong sources over and over again. And that, my friends, is the false solution of religion to kill the heart. Because God doesn't ask us to kill off our our desires for intimacy or beauty or significance. 
even though sometimes that gets us in trouble. He wants us to redirect it towards him. And even when we don't, we, we don't kill our hearts. See, religion will say, kill your heart, just you're, you're bound to duty, just do what you should, stop sinning, um, turn off your heart, just shut it down, don't want that thing anymore. The religious leaders in Jesus' day, they had that approach, the Pharisees did. They tried to strenuously obey the law, they tried to strive in order to stop sinning, in order to look holy and righteous, but it didn't work, they just ended up hiding what was really true, so then they were even more um, bound. See, they might have looked good on the outside like they had it together, but Jesus told them in verse 27 of Matthew 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. See, killing off your heart in order to stop sinning will not work. It doesn't work. That's not the approach that will lead to life to the full that Jesus promises John Eldridge points out something powerful about our hungry and thirsty hearts. I love this. He says, if you try to kill desire and call it sanctification, um, it doesn't go away. It goes underground, right? Folks, when we bury our hearts and try to kill desire and call it sanctification or holy living, like, okay, that's holy living. I'm just going to kill off my heart and my desires. Here's the thing. That stuff doesn't go away. It just goes underground, And eventually it will resurface. And when it does come back up somewhere else, because we've buried it for so long, it comes up as depression, as anger, as rage, addiction. Because what you do with passion and desire, what we do with our hunger and thirst, that's how we treat our hearts. And our hearts... (laughs) need to be cared for, not shut down. Because if you deny your hunger and thirst or you try to bury it, when it finally does resurface, you're in big trouble. Eldridge goes on to say, when desire shows up again, so when it resurfaces, it will pretty much be fooled by anything, right? It's like, here's a bag of marshmallows and you don't even actually want it, but you're so, you're so starved, you'll eat the whole bag, Right? Because, you know, we've been deprived. So, okay, that's the only thing, I'm going to take it, right? You know, we sometimes wonder why people who are good men and women of God, people who love God, they get caught up in some crazy kind of sin. And here's what I've seen over and over, um, almost without exception, that they have ignored their God-given core needs, um, And now they're starving. And once they're starving, um, I mean, people will peel the wallpaper off the walls and eat it if they're facing deprivation. That's what happens. So friends, we have to pay attention to that hunger and thirst within us. Simone Weil said the danger, she said the danger is that the soul should persuade itself that it is not hungry. It can only persuade itself of this by lying. It can only persuade itself of this by lying. So friends, don't ignore your God-given needs and desires. The truth is 
We are all hungry and thirsty. The dilemma is that we go to the wrong wells to meet those needs. And the tragedy is when we think that God will be pleased with us if we bury our hungry, hungry hearts, our thirsty hearts, if we ignore them or stuff them in an attempt to stop our destructive patterns or addictions. But killing off your heart, your hunger, your thirst, it won't lead to life. It won't fill you. A heart that is numbed or dead might not sin as much, at least for a while, but a numbed, deadened heart also cannot experience the love and life that God offers to us. When we close off our heart, it closes off our hearts to everything and everyone. See, but Jesus comes with a much different approach, doesn't he? Jesus Offer He upset the religious system of his day because he awakened the hearts of people. He appealed to their hunger, to their thirst, saying, you will be filled if you are hungry and thirsty. Think of his statement in Luke 11 where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Jesus is appealing to our desire that, that hunger and thirst, it's normal, it's good, And so it's who we ask, where we seek, and what door we knock on that makes all the difference. So this week, let's ask ourselves the question, where is it that I notice myself going to to meet those thirsty places, the hunger in my heart, the deepest longings of my soul? Because just as a hiker in an Arizona desert with a dry canteen craves water, God will see that craving in our heart for him and he will quench our thirst if we simply ask. See, this is nothing that's a casual kind of thirst. This is a desperate kind of thirst. When you are that thirsty physically, you know you have to find water. When we are aware of what's happening in our soul, we know we need Jesus. One of the beautiful things is, even though it's a desperate search, (laughs) we realize how deeply we need God. So we're desperate, but here's the great news. You don't have to beg. You don't have to beg for it. He's a good father. (laughs) He's a good father. You and I just come to him with our hunger, with our thirst. He is there to meet us. He will fill us. He will give us what we need. Unless this sound like some you know, pie in the sky sort of promise where, hey, I get filled up and I never need anything again. Let's just be real about this. Um, I wish it was that way that I get filled and I'm never hungry or thirsty again, but um, God does wanna fill us and he will, but here's the deal. We we do get filled up and we, then we leak, (laughs) right? We're human beings. So even in our getting filled by God, we leak and so we can be bummed about that. Does that sound familiar, by the way, to any of you who experience God's presence that you're filled up and then where did that go? Where did, what? Because we, we leak, we leak. Um, and we have to be filled again. But again, more good news. This fountain of life, this well never runs dry. The well of Jesus never runs dry. There's an endless supply for you and I to drink from. And actually, there's an upside I've discovered to this leakiness is because I know I leak, I know that I need to stay close to God's presence, to his heart. I need to stay aware of what's happening in my heart so I can stay connected to him and plugged into him. 
And I don't do that because I'm worried, well, if I don't stay plugged into God, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be mad at me if I wander or if I forget. He, that's not why I do it. <laughs> no, no, no. Because um, I do, by the way. I wander and forget over and over, but that's not the motivator for me to stay close to God. I stay close to Jesus because I know that I need Jesus. I want to be close to Jesus. I'm convinced that staying connected to the life of God in me is the best way, the only way to experience life to the full. See, I've tasted life, friends, and so have you, and nothing satisfies like Jesus. Lust will leave us empty and lonely. Greed leaves us fearful. Anger leaves us depressed Arrogance and arguing and being right and treating others with disdain leaves me isolated. Drinking too much and other ways of escape leave me tired in the end. But nothing satisfies like Jesus does. Nothing can fill like Jesus does. And what your heart and mine hunger and thirst for is God. Jesus has promised that he will fill our thirsty souls. The hungry and thirsty, that's you and me, we will be filled. So as the worship team comes, here's our question for the moment, and I want to carry it into the week uh, as you spend time with God. Do you want what Jesus offers? You want what Jesus offers. Do you and I trust that what our soul craves can be filled by Jesus. And even as I ask that question, I'm aware of the different responses we might have. Some of us might immediately and enthusiastically answer, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, that is what I want, Jesus, fill me up. But others of us might honestly say, well, I know that's what I'm supposed to want, but I'm having a hard time actually experiencing it. And that's okay. Or maybe you'd honestly say, I do, I wish I could live that way, but my heart has been so dry and parched for so long that the best that I can hope for is just to shut my heart down so I will stop being disappointed. And again, I hear you, I understand, and that's okay. Some of us, if we're honest about where we're at when we hear that question, do I trust that my hunger and thirst can be satisfied by Jesus? Some of us might say, I don't know, I don't know. It feels like I'm too far gone. Um, I've been trying to fill myself up with status or money or achievement. I'm trying to numb the pain through porn or sex or drinking too much or using. And I know that stuff leaves me empty, but some of us would admit, I just can't seem to stop. And so I hear Jesus say that, and I wonder, is that even possible? And listen, friends, whatever of those categories or answers or other ones fit who you are and where your heart responds to that question do I trust that my hunger and thirst can be satisfied with Jesus? To you, wherever you're at, I want to read, reread this invitation of God to us from Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. You who feel like you're out of anything to offer, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money, without cost. He's given it to us for free. You don't earn it. 
You don't deserve it. He gives it to us. Then verse two, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor and what does not satisfy, right? Why do we keep going to stuff that we know in the end doesn't satisfy? God says, listen to me, eat what is good. That's him. (laughs) And you will delight, not just be okay, not just have enough. You will delight in the richest of fare. Friends, will you stand with me? No matter who you are, whether you're on that excited, yes, Jesus, I want you, or you're full of shame or you're stuck in despair, no matter where you're at, that invitation is for you. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come to Jesus. The hole in our soul can only be filled with God. The thirst in our hearts can only be quenched by Jesus. He is the water of life and offers to be our source, our very life. He offers to fill us. And the first step is to simply ask him, to invite him. You don't even have to fully believe it can happen, right? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to impress God. You don't have to beg. He's right here, right now.